when you're hit with wave after wave of challenges and obstacle, you might respond like, why me? Why has God forsaken me? Why is the universe pitted against me? Why am I so cursed in life? That could be one thing. A different interpretation was, there's something much better for me after I get through all these challenges because these challenges make me stronger. And I don't want to live a life of easy challenges. I want to be tempered like steel so that I can have that strength to get through the dark days. The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. Welcome back. This is episode two of the phenomenal conversation that I had with Chris Doe called Inside Coaching. So make sure if you haven't already listened to part one, go back to episode 30. If you've listened to it, then you are ready for part two. Can't wait to hear what you think and make sure that you stay until the very end because you will not want to miss a drop. Last thing, please don't forget, rate and write a review for this podcast to help us grow. Thanks so much and can't wait to hear what you have to say. My question to you is, was Cure worth it? Sounds like you didn't really take a risk because you didn't, you know, have <laughs> have too much concern about making a bad decision. You're just like, okay. And it I, always works I, out. I actually have mad respect for it because it says to me that there's a certain level of you're going to work with what you have. Yeah. You have an opportunity to work with a business coach. He wasn't, you know a basketball player and he was in the scope of what you were looking for. You were going to work with what you had and make it happen regardless of who, when, how, why, whatever. But was it worth it? Was it worth your time? Was it worth your money? Was it worth your vulnerability? Was it worth asking for help? Was it worth it? People want to know, is coaching really worth it? So in my mind, Kier already paid for himself for the next 10 years. So I didn't really care what we did. We could talk about what's on TV for all I cared because I'm a value buyer. I'm not a price buyer. Now, if I was a different person, right. great. Uh, next month, when I don't need him. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to end this relationship. And that's not how I operate. I know some people do it this way. They're like, great. I got uh, two months worth of coaching, uh, a major breakthrough, and then they just cut and they, they, they run. And Hormozzi talks about this all the time. He goes, find something that works and then stop doing it. That's the surefire way to fail. <laughs> right? So here I am. Exactly. I've done this. I made a ton of money doing this. And I now have a new coach and mentor and I'm, I'm just thrilled to be working with him. And of course, he teaches me other things and they're not as financially profound as that thing. And here's the part that's going to burn a lot of people. And I need to say this. It took two calls. I mean, I'm sorry. It took two coaching sessions. I didn't need a lot of step-by-step -step after that. And when you said you have to really work at it, no, I think you just do what they tell you to do. He said, ask questions. I'm like, how? He gave me three examples. They're great. Next thing I did it, it didn't work. I came back. I said, okay, 
So when I asked this, they said this, what am I supposed to say? You go, oh, you would say this instead. And I, and I remember clearly I was a little pissed at that time, just a little bit, like 5%. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this before? I was just thinking that I didn't say it. Now that I've been through some life experience, like, of course you didn't tell me that because it's pretty intuitive that you would know to say that. It's not until you present yourself a new problem. And then from that point forward, I didn't need any more coaching for sales. I was doing it and I was doing it well enough that I started to train and teach my team. And then they were doing it without me. So Kier's gift to me through our coaching was to completely transferable to these other folk in my company. So I didn't even need to be on sales call anymore unless the job was more than half a million dollars or something. I'm like, don't call me guys. You guys go win this work now. So it only takes two calls. And people are like, what? It, took, it takes you longer than two weeks to make a decision. In two weeks, I already hired somebody, learned something, adjusted, and was winning. So this is the miracle of coaching. People think it's this long, arduous process of like grinding through it. For the kind of mindset stuff, for the communication skills, it's not. Here made two tweaks to what it is I was doing. And then you can become an NBA champion. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's it. So in today's world, maybe everyone else isn't, you know, getting a hole in one and right. they're going through all this, these processes. They're in this a different marketplace. This is not what it was 13 years ago when the market was flooded with all of these choices and people. And I'm not sure. discounting anything that you're saying, Chris, about yeah. your ability to see through that and just take action. Because taking action is, is one of the things that I respect about you in a huge, huge way. And it's something that people say about me. And I, I think that that's... I take that as a compliment and I hope yeah. you get it that take it Absolutely. that way too. Yeah. But there's also a lot of frauds out there. There's also a lot of scams out there. And I've there heard are. it, you've heard it. Oh, you know what? I I worked with this coach before and I gave them all this money yep. and nothing happened. And one of the things that I really, really appreciated about what Kirsha said in some of the interviews was there was a lot of emphasis on what happens if you make a bad decision. Yeah. What happens if you make like the world's worst decision? And so in your years of business, I'm sure that there have been bad decisions. Of course. And so how, if you have chosen a coach or if you've worked with a partner, a vendor, a team member, an employee, and it was quote unquote, a bad decision, then what happens? Well, first you have to have the clarity to know when to cut your losses. And you also have to have a huge degree of accountability that did this fail because you didn't do it or just fail because you were given poor instructions. And I'm going to say, and I hate to say this, even the scammers out there, they're telling you what to do most of the time and you're just not doing it. And you, you, you can't hire people to do push-ups for you. you you've got to just do it. And if you've done it and you think, okay, this isn't working, this is a scammer, I want to talk about that too, by the way. But it's like most of the time it's because you don't do anything. You just don't do anything, okay? So let's say you, you, do, you do take accountability, you've done everything, and like, this isn't adding up. So let's just chalk this up as a learning experience in life. Cut your losses to say that this wasn't a failure. This is the tuition you pay for success. 
next time your red flags go off, pay attention. Look at how they're marketing to you. Look at the promises they're making. Look at who they have that they're touting as success stories. Do they even look real? You can almost see in the, in the, um, the offer, the proposal, that you just bought into a scam and you knew it, you were just lying to yourself. So let's talk a little bit about mm. that, okay? And we've had to fire many vendors before. And looking back on it, the evidence was as clear as night and day. And we're not even talking about malicious people who are trying to scam you. We're just talking about underqualified people who you had the, the desire to get the job done was greater than your ability to make a rational decision. You were so desperate to at least just get one thing off your plate that you hired people that didn't have the qualifications, who could not do the job, who even said funny things, but you just were, were you just shutting that down because I'd rather just put that fire out right now. What Kier told me is- So all the evidence was there. Well, it was always there and you knew it, but you didn't act on it because you chose to be blind to it. You know, for, you know, Kier's had many jobs in his life. He said, I used to be a lifeguard. I'm like, okay. He goes, you know, when people drown, they don't do rational things. And he's, he's seen it so many times. They're literally two feet from the edge of the pool. And when they start to panic, they swim to the other side. And inevitably, they drown. So then he's got to jump in there. And he's like, he can see it. He's like getting off the, he's like, this is what happens. So when you're in that desperate state, you don't make good decisions. So one of, one of my core beliefs is try to be calm in situations where normal people would lose their mind. Stay rational. So the way that you do that is you expose yourself to increasing degrees of stress such that you condition your mind and your body to still be able to be calm and make clear decisions. Mm-hmm. People panic all the time. Okay. So there's a lot of desperation. Absolutely. In, in regardless of what field you're in, especially right. in... I want to say the job search, right? People start lowering their titles and lowering their compensation level because what's wor- what, what they really want is taking so long that they default into reducing their standard. And then they c- get kind of screwed because then they're overqualified. So I was like, you thought that this was a good strategy because it would secure and alleviate some of that discomfort and pain of you being quote unquote unemployed or no longer working, but it kind of backfired and, or you, you are in a, in a role where you know it's going to be a toxic boss or some kind of sweatshop. And when you said that all you really want to do is work for somebody who's a great leader and be a part of a culture. Right. And so how do you prevent the desperation as it's creeping up? Because if you're feeling desperate, it's hard to pull yourself into a calm state and how does a coach perhaps help to quell that anxiety? This one's a tough one, Lauren, because I'm not in this space. Uh, I, I've, I've only worked for someone for a very short period of my life. Less than a year total of my entire life was working for other people. I've not had to make a resume to get a job in over 26 years or something like that. It's been a long time. But I do see but people- you've been cr- desperate before. We've all been desperate before. Have you ever been desperate before? I don't think so. I'm going to run women, yes, maybe, but not in work relations, you know. I know I'm trying to think or you about make a decision or do something rash or impulsive where where you're doing it based off of the 
what you just described. You want to get that done at the expense of doing, you know, something that might be more rational. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, I didn't code that as desperation. It's just more like, this is annoying to me. I don't have the wow. time to vet this properly. I would rather just pay quite literally and make the mistake through money. And I'm okay with that. And, that, and so I'm trading my time for money. So we hire Got people it. sometimes that aren't qualified, but I'm like, I'll let them go. We'll waste a few thousand bucks, 10,000, 15, I don't care. We'll just hire another person. We'll just keep doing this until we hire the right people. And so I, I think that's part of entrepreneurship from my point of view, that it's messy, it's sloppy, and you waste a lot of money. And that's part of the, the game that you signed up for. Uh, because if I sat down and interviewed every single person, went through all the forms, I wouldn't have any brain or creative power left to do anything that was going to actually move the needle for me. So I usually empower my team to hire folks. Like I'll give you an example right now. And this is an evolution for me. My head of business said, hey, one of our employees needs a new laptop. Um, is it okay if we get this computer? Do you care? Do you want to weigh in on this? The old me would be like, I'm going to order a computer. I'm going to spec the processor and for the job and what they need. I'm like, I don't care. Maybe they over or under spec their laptop and that'll just be their choice. And if we waste a few thousand bucks, so be it. You know, I want to be in a place where I'm financially so solvent that I don't, I'm not going to fret over, ah, well, okay, so we lost 10,000 bucks. It's a lot of money, but compared to the big picture, we got to keep moving forward. We're not going to beat ourselves up over this. And so that's how I look at it. But getting back to your whole thing, like when you're in a desperate state of mind, you don't make good decisions anymore. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't have a lot of experiences in my life where I'm so desperate, where I'm like, let me try this thing. But here's the thing. The job market is funky as heck right now, isn't it? We know that tech companies have laid off a lot of people. We're in a recession. We've been in one. They don't call it that, but we've been in a recession for a while. Uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, workspace environments, productivity. There's too many variables out there. Interest rates are up. Inflation is up because we're paying for two and a half years of keeping people afloat, which is yeah. necessary. But now the, the, the chickens have come home to roost or whatever the expression is, right? And so now we got to we got to pay for all that stuff. And so there's going to be a long period of a slow recovery out of this financial pit that we're in. What does that mean? It means the kinds of jobs uh, are, are going to get harder to get. They're going to be much stricter because now they're not throwing away money just to hire you to fill a seat. So the cream will rise to, to the top. Now, if you're such a person, and I'm, I'm probably going to differ from where you're, where you're going to be on this, Lauren, which is, I believe in my talent. Let's just say everything failed for me. I'm going to go out and get a job and I haven't had one in, in a gazillion years. So people are like, you haven't worked in X number of years? I'm like, yeah. And you're a failed entrepreneur, I guess. That we, we don't want to hire you. I'm like, okay. I might get desperate at that point because I got to, you know, I got to pay the bills and all. I might just take a job that is not right. But here's where I'm going to be different than most people. I'm going to go in and kick so much ass that eventually they're going to promote me to wherever I need to be and pay me what I'm worth. So maybe that's what some of your clients are going through where they think that, or maybe they're just so desperate and that I'll just take anything at this point. No, they, yeah, this is, is the latter. fortunately not a lot of our clients, but your depiction is, is still relevant, right? Yeah. It, it, you, you, you just don't want to get to that, to that phase is yeah. really the, the bottom line, right, right. I think for, for all of us. Yeah. One of the, Last things I want to talk about is a quote that I think was probably one of my favorites from Kier, 
yes. I think applies to coaching. I think applies to so many things. He says, you know, you get the world you see. And I would love to hear your take on, on what cure meant by that and how you are able to either apply it to your life, apply it to coaching, apply it to even the job market that you just talked about, right? You, you don't have to be in the space to, to know what's happening in, right. in the world, right? You've already, you did a beautiful job of sharing at least 90% of the variables right there. And so we can get really focused on that because we can see that or we can see something else. And so yeah. help us out here. Okay. I, I can't speak to exactly your state of mind and what he meant by that, but I know what my interpretation of that is and it aligns with my worldview. So there is something like objective science or data and the subjective interpretation. And what we commonly think of as objective information is mostly sub subjective interpretation. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. It's like, oh, that a-hole uh, doesn't respect people, is cruel, selfish, what an egocentric, whatever. No, so somebody just changed lanes. <laughs> you, you sit down for like a, 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 a gourmet steak and you're like, this is the best uh, prime rib I've ever had with double glaze smoke, this and aged six months. No, it's a dead animal. And so if you are into what Marcus Aurelius talks about in, in his stoicism or st uh, being a stoic, it's like you try to see things for the way they are versus the way that you want to see them. But human beings are, are meaning-making machines. We want to have meaning to everything. And, and we, we, we form belief systems all around the things that are inexplainable or unexplainable. And we start to tell ourselves this story enough times that we start to believe this is actually fact and it's true. And so constantly I'm, I'm trying to practice this level of mindfulness where I pay attention to my thoughts and feelings from a third point of view. Mm -hmm. and, and I try to see myself as a witness. And I, I, from what people tell me, it's very similar to meditation, but I don't meditate at all, so I have no idea. So when, when I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to get upset over this, and I just snap out of myself, I was like, wait, wait, what did, what's going on? What has happened here? What's transpired? Like, and then I ask myself, how do I want to respond? Like, is, is, is the data creating this, or is it my interpretation of this? And take a breath, calm down, what's going on? Regulate the emotions, and, and then respond in a way that's most productive for you and the other person. And I've had a lot of practice dealing with this because I've had bad employees before and I've had people who've said things that they should not say to their boss or to a vendor that I'm like, okay, I could explode here, but I'm not. And I'm going to draw a boundary and I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to move on, right? There's, I do have some hot button things that are, I'm still working through in terms of like, if you start to challenge me here, I'm, I'm going to react emotionally. And I'm trying to work through that. and so. What we're talking about here is if you can see the world objectively, you'll see for what it is. And it, it's just a, a random, but things are a sequence of things are happening and you ascribe meaning to them. So if you're going to ascribe meaning to them, try not to write a negative story, try to write a positive story. Mm. So when you're hit with wave after wave of challenges and obstacle, you might respond like, why me? Why has God forsaken me? Why is the universe pitted against me? 
Why am I so cursed in life? That could be one thing. A different interpretation was, there's something much better for me after I get through all these challenges because these challenges make me stronger. And I don't want to live a life of easy challenges. I want to be tempered like steel so that I can have that strength to get through the dark days. So when I lose money or when somebody cheats me out of money, and when I say cheat, it's like they set up an unfair business deal. I don't say like, God, there's such evil people and I'm such a sucker. I don't beat myself up over this. The narrative I tell myself is, I'm glad you revealed your true face to me at this point in time. So I know who to count on my list of people I trust with my life and then people I need to keep at arm's distance away from me. And I'm glad. And I told my wife this, she goes, honey, you expose yourself to so many people who take advantage of you. I said, I need this data, honey. She goes, what do you mean? So she can't process this, right? Her way of working is be careful, keep everyone at our arm's distance. And so no one gets into the inner circle because we don't want to be hurt. My whole thing is let all of them through and the ones that are good, I'm watching, I'm paying attention to all the time. And I'm constantly, this is going to be scary for a lot of people. I move people into different categories pretty quickly. I'm like, you're here, you're here, you're And so the inner circle is relatively small and the outer circle is very clear. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you've shown me now that you want to take advantage. And then I turned to her, I said, isn't it much better for me to discover who people are at, at a level in which the stakes are so low, relatively speaking, versus someone who has access to all of our banking account information, or when there's really something that's on the line that's going to be catastrophic for us to lose. And then she's like, oh, that's a different perspective. Mm. So what was Kier's quote again? Can you say it? Yeah, you get the world you see. So there you are. You get the world that you see. <laughs> I want you to know, Christo, that assigned or unassigned, you, you've, been, you've been my coach for at least five years. I am just truly, you, you taught me how to sell without selling. You taught me the t- difference between cost, price, and value. You have inspired me to jump off a lot of cliffs as well. But mostly, what you've taught me to do and continue to inspire me to do is to serve and to mm-hmm. serve people in a way that is going to be able to teach them something that they could live for the, with for the rest of their life and pass on and have exponential impact on either their business, their organization, their family, their dignity, their self-respect, their pocketbook, all of those things. And I had the great honor of meeting you last year in, in London. And um, I love being a member of your pro community. You're, you're definitely like one of my quantum peeps. Like that's what mm-hmm. I call you. You're like a quantum peep for me. <laughs> Changed so many people. And um, I want to I wanna just sign off here and ask you, because I won't um, have you go through all the signature questions. I just want to know, out of this episode, if somebody is looking for a coach, if somebody is thinking to themselves, is it worth it? I need a guarantee. What if I make a bad decision? Any of those questions. Is there a post-it that you would just suggest that they put on their goddamn desktop to help them either through it, make a decision, do something with that? What would you, what would, you know, it's like, what would Beyonce do? What would Christo do? You, you want a very short version or you want a complete answer to this question? I want your short version. 
Okay, let me think about this. Okay, there, there's a, a quote in here. I don't know who I'm quoting here, so you have to help me find it after the fact or some research. I will. And I heard Errol Garrison say this, and I love things that repeat. Okay, so the post-it note would say, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yes. Sir? Christo, we'll make sure that all the links, the quotes, and I'll also include a couple of your YouTube videos with uh, the interviews with Kier as a way to continue to memorialize him because um, through him, he gave us you, and through you, you've given us so much. So thank you for everything that you do. I just adore you with all my heart. Thank you so much, Lauren. I do want to say this too. I've chatted with you many times, but there is something unique and special when you get to uh, to be in the same room with someone and you, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying this because I'm a robot, but when you feel someone's energy and their frequency, and I felt that from you and you're kind of like, this is a poor representation facsimile of you, but when you're around you in real life, it's almost like you, you radiate some kind of sunshine and and when you're like, Chris, can I still get in? I'm like, Lauren, I will make sure you can get into this workshop. We're going to squeeze you in. And when we're there and just seeing you and smiling from, from ear to ear, even though that for me was like day one of a multi-leg tour, it, it gave me the reassurance, the, the, the power to like push through and have a good time because I looked around that room and I saw a lot of friendly faces. And for this introvert who struggles with being around strangers, I, I, I think you gave me this gift to like, you know what, do your thing because we're just going to enjoy it together. And I just wanted to thank you for that. It's always my pleasure. It's always my pleasure. And um, I appreciate you saying that so much. My face hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you do smile a lot. So I, I think you have the muscles for it, right? I know. I, I do cheek, cheek push-ups. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love. Leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.